the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTVN, Cornelis Park. When the Allied troops came through France at the end of World War II, they came upon a farmhouse that had been used to hide Jewish people from the Nazi troops. And they discovered in the basement of this farmhouse that in this basement Jewish people had been hidden. They found written on the wall this statement, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in the wind even when it's not blowing. And I believe in God even when he's silent. Do you believe in God when he's silent? Habakkuk did. And that's why he cried out to him. I hope you do, because when God is silent, he is often doing his most significant work in our lives. When God's work is obvious, it's easy to trust him. But that is a pretty shallow trust compared to the trust we need when God is working invisibly. We're glad to have you with us today for another verse-by-verse radio class of the air. Our teacher is Steve Kreloff, pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In our last class, Pastor Steve began a series of lessons from the life of a little-known prophet named Habakkuk. Habakkuk wrote near the end of the era of the southern kingdom of Judah, just before they were led off into captivity. He saw how the people had forsaken God and was dismayed that he wasn't seeing his prayers for his countrymen answered. Why didn't God do something about the mess his country was in? Perhaps you've been praying something similar to what Habakkuk was praying, and perhaps you are struggling in your faith as a result, just as Habakkuk struggled. Let's get our Bibles now and find out how God answered Habakkuk's questions. Here is Pastor Steve with today's class. For the next few weeks, we're going to examine how Habakkuk grappled with his problem and how God graciously dealt with the prophet and allowed him to arrive triumphantly in faith at the end. And as we're privileged to sit in on this dialogue between Habakkuk and God, that's really what we're doing. We are nosy people and we are sitting in on a dialogue between a prophet who lived 2,600 years ago and God, and yet it is as relevant for us today as it has ever been. And we're going we're gonna to hopefully work through some of our doubts and fears and theological struggles, and uh, that's what we have in front of us. Now, if you're taking notes, I have tried to make this outline as simple and, and as, uh, as direct as it possibly could. There are three chapters in this book. I think if you understand this outline, you'll get a handle on the book. Chapter 1 deals with the struggle of the prophet. In fact, there are two struggles. So you could say the struggles of the prophet, plural. Chapter two deals with the solution for the prophet. God's going to give him a solution. He's struggling. He's got a problem. God says, here's the solution. And chapter three is going to deal with the song of the prophet. It actually is in the Hebrew language, a song. That's why the book starts with a sob and ends with a song. That's right. It is a song that he sings as he rejoices and responds to God with triumphant praise and prayer and and great faith. So let's begin this morning. And we want to cover the whole chapter, the struggle of the prophet. Everybody has problems, even prophets 
have problems. And the prophet Habakkuk had a big one, a major one. It reminds me a few years ago, there was a television program about a detective named Columbo, one of my favorite silly characters. Detective Columbo, and I know you're giggling as you probably saw that silly show like I did, and his job, and he was really, in, in Jewish circles, we would call him a shmagegi. You know, just kind of a klutz. But he always arrived at the right conclusion. However, Columbo's job was to gather all the information about a murder. He was supposed to figure it out and put it together and solve the mystery of who did it. And inevitably, as the facts were coming in and they started to roll in, he would pause. And every week he, he would put his fingers, his head, his hand to his head. And he'd say, you know, I've got this problem. I knew it. I, every week it was coming. I've got this problem. Why? What he was saying was the pieces don't fit. They didn't fit halfway through the show, by the way. At the end of the show, it always fit. But he, it, something was troubling him. Someone told him this, but that couldn't rec- he couldn't reconcile that with that. So, so Detective Columbo had a problem. Well, Habakkuk is the Columbo of the Old Testament. He's troubled. He's got a problem. He's confused because he can't quite put the pieces together. And let me show you as we begin this book. Verses 2 through 4, you'll see his first problem. He's got more than one problem. How long, O Lord, will I call for help and thou wilt not hear? I cry out to thee violence, yet thou dost not save. Why dost thou make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. You know what Habakkuk's problem is? God, why are you silent when I pray to you? And why are you inactive? Why are you indifferent to my prayers? Why are you indifferent to the situation in Israel? Habakkuk looked out across his world and his little world was Judah. And he saw sin and destruction and violence and contention. He saw that the law of God was disregarded. There was no legal protection for innocent people. Someone has said the righteous were locked up and the wicked vigilantes had thrown away the key. And Habakkuk, being a godly man, a righteous man, a man who was sensitive to sin, looked around them and, and literally he said the law is paralyzed. That's what he means. Disregard literally in the Hebrew means it's numb. The law is not. Nobody cares. Now, remember, this is God's covenant people. This is not America. America is not God's covenant people. This was the this was the nation of Israel. This was Judah. This was God's people who were chosen to be holy. And Habakkuk looked around and he and and he saw that the wicked prospered and the righteous suffered. And And he said, God, I don't understand. This was a bad scene in Judah. And he had he says in verses two through four, how long, O Lord, how long before you're going to answer my prayer? I've been praying and you're not answering. In fact, in verse two, he says at the end of verse two, I cry out to the violence. Literally, it means I scream. I'm crying out. I'm not having a little quiet time here in my in my prayer closet. I am literally screaming out and you are not answering. And that bothers me. He's got a major problem with the silence of God. He's been praying for a long time for God to judge his people, 
for God to deal with the situation. I take it that he means also revive us because revival should always come after judgment when you're Israel. And finally, he just can't stand it anymore. And, and he just erupts as a volcano and he cries out. He says, how long, how long, Lord, do I have to pray before you'll answer me? He is struggling with God's silence and inactivity. And he's struggling over why God would allow wickedness to prevail in a nation that was chosen to be holy. And I want you to know Habakkuk's got a good point. He's not being irreverent. He's not being an unbeliever. He just asked God, why? Why do you remain silent? I think it's a legitimate question. Why do you seem indifferent to Israel's sins? He's just being honest. Haven't you ever wondered why God has not answered some of your prayers? I have. Haven't you ever wondered why God permits such horrible conditions to exist in our land, let alone the church, in our lands? Someone has said if God doesn't judge uh, America, he's going to have to make an apology to Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know that that uh, statistics tell us and this was a few years ago, I couldn't come up with the latest, but I think these are pretty accurate, that a woman is raped every eight minutes in our land. A murder takes place every 27 minutes. A robbery occurs every 78 seconds. The divorce rate has risen 700 percent since the turn of the century. One divorce for every 1.8 marriages. Do you know there are 450,000 alcoholic uh, teenagers? There's one, one million teenage girls get pregnant every year. Have you ever prayed about the conditions going on in our world and said, why, God, why do you allow this to happen? Doesn't the silence of God bother you? It has bothered me. You've prayed, and I've prayed for people to be saved, for people to come to know Christ, loved ones, family members. You've been praying for years. You've got a problem in your family, and you've been praying for God to deal with that, and it seems that God is silent. And sometimes it seems to you that he doesn't care. That's how Habakkuk felt. Let me say more appropriately, why does God allow evil to prevail in his church? Liberalism? Modernism? Immorality has become the byword of the day. It's not unusual to find preachers who, who have somebody other than their wives on the sideline. Entertainment centers. False teaching abounds. It's hard to find men of God who stand up in the pulpit and proclaim the word of God. Why doesn't he judge the church? Why does he allow it to just go on? Why doesn't he just send revival? And I don't mean evangelism, I mean people getting right with God. Why doesn't he answer my prayers about cleansing up the church? I pray, but nothing seems to happen. You may, you may wonder about that. God, why? Now, Habakkuk did the right thing. He didn't forsake his faith in God. This is a, this is a, a question that comes from a man of faith. He didn't forsake his faith in God because he had a seemingly unsolvable problem. Instead, he brought it out in the open. He didn't say, God, I can't figure you out, so I'll follow some pagan religion. He didn't say that. Now, most of us, out of fear of looking unspiritual, tend to try to hide our struggles over the ways of God. We wouldn't dare admit it to anybody in our Sunday school class, to anybody of our friends. They might think we're unspiritual. Habakkuk didn't care about that. He wasn't out to impress anybody. But too many of us are like that. 
We wouldn't dare admit this. How dare anybody think that we would have a doubt? But Habakkuk didn't care. With great candor, he said, God, why don't you answer my prayers and judge your people? I've got a problem with you. Listen, it isn't wrong to to be honest with God. It isn't wrong at all. It's all right to admit that you're struggling theologically, that you'd like some answers. It's all right to do that. It's not even wrong to have theological doubts as long as you look to God to resolve your doubts and anxieties. Stubborn unbelief, which is not what Habakkuk had. Stubborn unbelief says, I refuse to trust you, God. I don't want an answer to anything I can't understand. So don't even bother saying anything to me. I'm uninterested. That's stubborn unbelief. On the other hand, Habakkuk's attitude was as an honest doubter. I want to trust you, Lord. I've been praying I'm not going to abandon my faith in you. I just would like some answers. I don't understand your your silence. I I need your help. That's all Habakkuk is saying. You need to be honest with God. He knows anyway, knows your, your heart. He knows my heart. So you can't fool him. But he wants us to be honest. In fact, sometimes God in the Bible asks somebody a question. Why is it? Because he doesn't know the answer. No, he wants them to admit what's really going on in their hearts. I mean, when God said to Adam, Adam, where are you? Do you think God was searching all over the garden? He couldn't find Adam. No, he wanted Adam to say, I'm here. I'm hiding. God knew the answer. God doesn't ask questions because he needs answers. God asks questions because he wants you to be honest with him. The silence of God. Do you have a problem with the silence of God? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. When the Allied troops came through France at the end of World War II, they came upon a farmhouse that had been used to hide Jewish people from the Nazi troops. And they discovered in the basement of this farmhouse that in this basement, Jewish people had been hidden. And that's where they were kept. And they found written on the wall this statement. I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. I believe in the wind, even when it's not blowing, and I believe in God, even when he's silent. Do you believe in God when he's silent? Habakkuk did, and that's why he cried out to him. But he's struggling. He wants some answers. And that's Habakkuk's approach to the problem. Lord, in all honesty, give me some answers concerning your silence and inactivity in judging Judah. I'd like to know. Well, starting with verse five, God gives him the answer and it goes through verse 11. God says, and you see, it's a dialogue. Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I'm doing something in your days. You would not believe it if it were told, if you were told for behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to to seize dwelling places, which are not theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and and authority originate with themselves. In other words, they're a law unto themselves, what he's saying. Their horses are swifter than leopards and keener than wolves in the evening. Then horsemen, uh, their horsemen rather, come galloping. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping down to devour. All of them come for violence. Their horde of faces moves forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock at kings. And rulers are a laughing matter to them. They laugh at every fortress and heap up rubble to capture it. 
Then they sweep through like the wind and pass on, but they will be held guilty. They whose strength is their God. He's got his answer. Now, Habakkuk has struggled over God's silence. So now God speaks. God has given him an answer. Habakkuk struggled over God's seemingly indifference to Israel's sin. And and understand, I'm going to use the words Israel and Judah interchangeably, although in that day and age we shouldn't. But we understand these are Jewish people. And so we'll call them Israel sometimes, Judah other times. So now God explains to him what he plans to do. Habakkuk's problem was with God's silence and inactivity. So God says, all right, Habakkuk, I'm going to tell you what I have plans to do. You'll have a hard time believing it. But you will believe it. You have a hard time with it, but I'm going to explain it to you. And the answer is not what Habakkuk expected. Believe me. God says, and basically this is the answer. Habakkuk, look look beyond your national boundaries. Uh, Take a look at the world scene. Uh, Look beyond the tiny nation of Judah, a speck in the nations of the world, amongst the nations of the world, a drop in the bucket. Look on the international scene and see what I'm doing. I'm raising up a people called the Chaldeans to be a great world empire. And this great empire is going to be my instrument in judging Judah. In other words, Habakkuk, watch the world news on television and see what I'm doing. We can put it in our modern day vernacular. Now, Habakkuk has complained to God that, Lord, you're not doing anything. And God's answer is, is this far from being a spectator, Habakkuk, far from being a spectator, Israel sinned. I'm very active. I am doing something. I'm choosing out a, a nation from amongst all the nations of the world. And they're going to be my special instruments in judging the people you've been praying that I would judge. Who are the Chaldeans? It's best to think of them as the Babylonians. That's just another name. They were a Semitic people who settled in an area known as Babylon. And so they were called the Babylonians. And in the days of Habakkuk, God had raised up the Babylonians to be the great world empire in the Middle East. Before them came the Assyrians. But recently in history, in this time, in the time frame, they had recently destroyed the great Assyrian empire. And they had taken over the rulership of the biblical world of the Middle East, at least what we call the Middle East today. They were called the Fertile Crescent back then. In fact, they probably would call it that today, too. And uh, they were well known for their cruelty, their wickedness. They had a well-deserved reputation. For, for horrible things, for violence, and they terrified nations as they conquered them. Uh, some people in the ancient world did not do that. The Persians, by the way, who came uh, later after them, the Persians were, were uh, different than the Babylonians and the Assyrians. The Persians were rather kind. The Assyrians were horrible. The Assyrians, and I take it that the Babylonians are very similar to them. The Assyrians would actually, if they captured you, they'd strip you naked and they'd put one hook through your nose and another hook through the person's buttocks in front of you and they'd march you naked 600 miles back to their land. You understand why Jonah now had a problem in going to Nineveh. That was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. He didn't want to preach repentance to them. He wanted judgment. You understand that? The Babylonians came like that. In fact, in verses 6 through 11, God uh, describes the Babylonians and what Judah could expect when judgment comes. Let me just go through it very quickly. In verse 6, he says they're fierce. That means they're ruthless. They're impetuous. Uh, They seize other people's possessions and they don't care about anybody else. 
in verse seven, he says they're dreaded, they're feared. They are a law unto themselves. You don't say, look, the uh, international law says that they don't care about international law. You don't say, you know, in Geneva, we have this convention and we all agree. They don't care what anybody agreed. They are a law unto themselves. In verse eight, he speaks of tremendous speed of their conquest. They devoured. They literally devoured. In verse nine, he says that they're all coming, which means that the whole military, all the military is coming. They're violent. Their entire military force. There was no hope of stopping them. When when Habakkuk heard this, he knew that that uh, what was coming ahead, there was no way that Judah would stop them. No way. In verse 10, he says they mock at kings. That's that's absolutely true. You know what they did to King Zedekiah? When Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of the Babylonians, marched in in Second Kings 25, 6 and 7, they, they chased down King Zedekiah of Judah and they brought all of his sons before him. And they said, look at your sons. This is what they did. This is history. This is in the Bible. Look at your sons. And they killed each of his sons in front of his eyes and then they plucked out his eyes. So that's the last visual thing he would have in his memory. And they marched them off to Babylon. They were wicked. They were cruel. They laughed at kings. They didn't care about kings. They laughed at every fortress, it says. They laughed at every fortress. Why? You know what they did when they would come up against a walled city? They would just take mounds of dirt and put it on the ground and they would climb up that wall. They, they just they don't care about any wall city. They were smart enough to try to go through. They just climb over. In verse 11, it says that they they um, they praise their own strength as the source of their victories. In other words, even though God was using them, they thought that their God was their own physical power. They didn't acknowledge God. Well, this was God's answer to Habakkuk's problem. Great, right? You say the cure was worse than the disease. Who needs it? At first, Habakkuk was concerned with his country's spiritual welfare. So he asked God to do something about it. But it looked like God's plan was to destroy them rather than revive them. Clearly, that was not what the prophet had in mind. We'll see on the next verse-by-verse verse how Habakkuk responded to God's answer to his prayers. We are glad to have you in our class today as we engage in a short study of the life of Habakkuk. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio Bible classes are an extension of his pulpit ministry produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Pastor Steve would like to share some thoughts about this ministry, so here he is. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio, and uh, our program has been transformed by by Scripture because uh, the Word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable, and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car, and and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. 
You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. For more contact information or to listen again to today's broadcast, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the middle of a three-part message that starts this series about Habakkuk. To hear the whole message at once, order a cassette or CD by calling us at 727-239-0306. If you get the machine, leave a message with your name and daytime phone number, and we will call you back during business hours. The number again is 727-239-0306. If there is an easy, painless way out of something, we're all for it. But we hate to take bad-tasting medicine. Like it or not, sometimes God needs to give us medicine we don't like in order to save us from ourselves. I have a friend who was finally saved after 10 years of his wife praying for him. How did God finally get my friend's attention? He took away his leg. For 10 years, my friend resisted God. But God, in his great love, did what was necessary but unpleasant. And now my friend is a vibrant Christ follower serving God with all his heart. Next time on Verse by Verse, we'll consider how God may not always answer our prayers the way we want him to. This is Jerry Pruden inviting you to be with us then. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.